you could take your seats. Have you ever noticed that there is a, uh, a commonality between us humans is that we love to accumulate stuff? Do we? All right. Walk into anyone's garage, storage unit, and you'll see my point. In fact, if you go through the storage unit maybe, because some people do have storage units that go through their attic space, you're not only, uh, uh, see my point, you would have made my point, that we like to keep stuff. Yard sales and estate auctions are smorgasbords where hungry hoarders come to feast on bargains and secret values that sellers might not be aware of or they might not care what they have. They are. They are that. We, uh, these sorts of events lead to uh, those famous sayings that we all know, one's man trash is another man's treasure, right? One's man's, one man's loss is another's gain. Exactly. We might have or may have looked for something like that at one time. Uh, someone might see it as no real value, but we were like, whoa, wait a second. That's the first matching set of that specific plastic duck that I've seen in like years, and I got to get it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Sister Bruce, for having these wonderful, terrific yard sales that we have. Amen. Maybe that uh, crocheted couch cover that your grandmother gave you, maybe that's a treasure in your house as well. So, in 1831, a medieval chessboard with chess pieces made up of walrus ivory was found on the beach of an island. It's called the Isle of Lewis off of Scotland. And, uh, however, five of these chessboard pieces were actually missing. So, there wasn't a complete set. Almost 2,000 years later, recently, um, one of the pieces joined the others. And 50 years before that time, in 1964, for six pounds, seven pounds, so, well, about five pounds, six dollars, if you, over there, a man bought one of the pieces from someone who obviously didn't know what it was. Um, and if, Sister Sarah, do you want to send up, uh, put up those two pictures? Um, I, that's one, uh, that's the piece that was found. Um, I think if you get the other one, you, we might be able to see a little bit better, maybe. Yeah, up here it's a real it's real good. You can see his left eye is uh, is missing, but it's walrus uh, walrus uh, ivory. Did you guys know that ivory came from walruses and some whales uh, whales teeth too? I have a few a couple whales teeth at my house and eardrums. Uh, they have their ivory elks. There's a tooth in an elk that has ivory too. So they're they're rare. Years after this uh, man passed away. Uh, the family found this piece hidden in a drawer that he kept, and then it, of course, was passed down to his family until recently the family took it to the world's famous Sotheby's auction house where the very surprised staff recognized it as one of the missing 12th century Lewis chess pieces. Though the family is anonymous, and oh, I Googled this and looked this up, made sure, it is said that it had sold for one million pounds, that little piece there. I'm going through the yard sale stuff next time, Sister Bruce. I'm looking for the four other pieces. And this was a pawn 
So the I think the other the there's three other pawns and a king or you know a, a bishop or something like that is is in there as well. So one million pounds comes up to almost 1.4 million dollars. In life, however, here comes we're going to do a about face, right? There's nothing more valuable than the blessings of God. Not that, not the 1.4 million. There is nothing. Psalm 68, 19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Amen. That is God's blessings to us on a regular basis. And let me emphasize that because some people will say, you know, I just don't feel blessed today. or don't." No, on a regular basis, God blesses us. Beyond measure, not only a little bit, you are here breathing today, you are here, you are alive, you, you, you either have experienced a wonderful life, you've experienced wonderful things, you've had wonderful parents maybe, still have wonderful parents, or kids, you are blessed, God has given you things, we are here. You, you might have to walk down to the laundromat to do your clothes because your wash and dryer either is missing or you, broken, but God, but you are blessed. I know there's plenty of times we don't feel it or even see that it's being the case. But God entrusts us to realize that and appreciate the value of each of his blessings he gives us. He, he wants us to understand that we are blessed. So we should cherish each blessing and not bargain them away to a world for things that have no lasting measure, no lasting value. We're going to talk a little bit about Jacob and Esau this morning. Uh, Jacob's name means heel grabber. Yeah, we, we know it as a planter as well, or schemer, deceiver, but it also has a connection of heel grabber. Um, the scripture has always, it always has a way of associating names about a person or describing a person with the name. And just in case you didn't pick it up, uh, you didn't want to be called a hill grabber. That is something you don't. At birth, Jacob tried to supplant uh, Esau as a firstborn. From the moment of his birth, we know the story, the Sunday school class, classes that we've been and we've attended or that we taught. We know that Jacob, when he came out of his mother's womb, he was holding on to Esau who went before him, the older brother. We know that holding on to his heel, Esau, who was firstborn and oldest, was in line to receive the family's inheritance and birthright, as it was called also the blessing. And he was going to inherit this when Isaac died. We are not, we don't have time to go through the, the complete story. We're just going to hit some highlights. As the years went by, Jacob would begin living up to the name heel grabber in other ways. As you see, Jacob always coveted Esau's birthright. Jacob just couldn't get over the fact that his brother was going to get the ultimate blessing of the firstborn. He was going to get not only a birth certificate up in his office, but it's going to say firstborn blessing here. And Jacob was go- would have to see that for the rest of his life. He was, he was well taken care of now. Don't, don't get me wrong. Jacob was not... Like, they didn't treat him bad, but he wanted it all. How many of us have 
probably run into people like that. Sometimes we see them in the mirror. Thank God, God's delivered us from that, right? Amen. I will tell you straight out this morning, because you know me, I, I sometimes get in trouble for saying things straight up. One of the most damaging attitudes a person can have is jealousy over another person's stuff. It is the same in church. We, get, get this now, we absolutely 100% positively cannot be jealous or envious of another person's uh, person, another person's family stuff, their blessings, their family, their jobs, their positions, their car, their incomes, their stuff. We cannot be jealous of that. It doesn't matter. We have all different, even in this, even in, in our little, our church here, little church, big church, medium church, we have different statutes, right? Different people do different jobs. Different people have different families. They have different relations. Some are married. Some aren't. Some are single. Some are in school. All that. We should never be jealous of any of that at all. This was not the case for Jacob. He coveted Esau's birthright. Genesis 25, we're going to talk about Esau for a couple of seconds here. 25, 34, then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, beans. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. The Bible doesn't get right into the fact why he despised it, but it clearly says he did not like or agree or was in, uh, you know, he wasn't, he didn't appreciate it. He didn't understand it, I should say. He allowed other things to become more valuable to him than the things that really should matter. That right there would preach all day. We can't let other things stand in the way of our blessing, the birthright. So Jacob did con Esau. We just read that. Yeah, did I mention the whole family had issues? The story is one of the most famous in the Bible. In fact, if you have had Sunday school or kids in Sunday school, uh, they probably have brought home a plate glued with beans on it before. Or something to that effect. I actually asked Sister Kelly this morning, and she sure enough had a bowl and some beans. I don't know if they're gluing them or not, but, yep, they're, they're going to, because it's a famous story. We all know that Esau deceived, I mean, that Jacob deceived Esau for the birthright. So Esau spent the whole day hunting, and when he returned, he was tired and hungry. But wait, he's like, what is that smell? Jacob had prepared a fabulous veggie stew, and now the mountain man was famished. He was like, whoa, give me some beans, Jacob. And Jacob began rubbing his hands together and rejoicing inside because the time has come. He is going to deceive his brother. Oh, did you mean these beans, Esau? And he kind of lifted the lid and blew them that way. And a and, uh, big old Sasquatch-looking guy. He was standing there, and he's like, mmm, 
oh, give me those beans. What is this anyways, this birthright? What's it going to mean for me or how's it going to help me when I'm dead? That's what he said. Remember uh, earlier in Genesis, he said he despised his birthright. When When you hate something, when you despise something, it is easy to give that up. It is. I've had relatives, friends, just talk so bad about the church. Is their birthright that they once had. And this story clicks because they despised. Somehow they got to where they despised the blessing. And they left the church. They left the family. They left the people that love them. In that moment, a bargain was struck up between the two brothers that would change the course of their lives. The hill grabber finally conned his brother out of what he wanted more than anything else in life. So we find out a great deal about both brothers here. About both brothers. As children of God, we must refuse to surrender our birthright. We must not try to steal another one's blessing. When we are born again, we are given a birthright. At that moment, God places his spirit, the most valuable possession we will ever have on this earth. He places it inside of us. With With the spirit comes the birthright to all the privileges of being a child of God including the hope of eternal life with him. Proverbs 23, 23 tells us to buy the truth and sell it not. Nothing, nothing in this world is worth trading our spiritual birthright. I mentioned earlier, but there in, in Esau and Jacob's home, there it, it was dysfunctional, if you will, will. We never... We can never completely take away someone's responsibility for their own actions, but we are aware that Esau and Jacob grew up in a dysfunctional home. The home life does have influence. If the parents do not value the things of God, then there's a greater chance neither will the kids. It's just true. If the parents are biased in their love over, and there are great parents There are wonderful parents that raise their kids in church, and unfortunately, the kids turn their back. I'm not, so I'm, but I'm talking the other way, talking about Esau and Jacob's family and dysfunctional. If the parents are biased in their love for one child over another, they may create a Jacob and Esau environment or scenario in their own house. Of course, those of us with siblings have always thought that parents love the other kids more. Especially us middle kids. Any middle kids? Mm-hmm. You know how it is. They, didn't they write a song, The Black Sheep of the Family or something? Isaac loved Esau while Rebecca loved Jacob. You have to wonder if this was a part of the reason for selling the birthright. Esau was a hunter and outdoorsman while Jacob was more of an intellect, a spiritual guy. Maybe the parents didn't speak to their boys on equal terms. Did Esau learn anything about the spiritual things? Or 
Or did they teach Jacob to work with his hands and appreciate hard work? Wise parents make willing choices not to favor one child over the other. And I, when I was writing this down, you know, I'm writing all this stuff with that in mind. I was so, this is kind of humorous, but I'm kind of glad I wasn't number one. Or, there's six of us. Kind of glad I wasn't one or two because looking back, I think they were just experimenting on the first two. <laughs> it's like, whoa. By, by the time they got to me, they were like, maybe there's a time limit on spankings. Thank you. Because, I mean, I mean, I saw my, my older brother and sisters do bad things, but sometimes I'm like, wow, they're, they're getting a little too much. Thank you, Lord, for being number four. So, Re- Rebecca and Jacob deceived Isaac. Isaac was getting closer to that age where he's going to go to heaven pretty soon, and he, they needed to act fast. So, Isaac sent Esau out to kill some game and, and to come back and prepare. And while he was away, Rebekah fixed some goat meat, right? And, and then he put some hair on Jacob and uh, shoved Jacob into the tent. And you know the story. Uh, uh, Isaac goes, who are you? And Esau, your son, and he had a rough voice. And he sounded, you know, real mean and like burly and stuff as like a pirate. He might even uh, twirled his R's a little bit there too. <laughs> you know, I'm Esau. Arr. And he and he and he fooled him. He fooled uh, he he fooled Isaac. And a few minutes later, after this, after of course, after Isaac gives Jacob the birthright, Jacob runs out, and here comes Esau. He's, uh, I'm here, Dad. It's time to bless me. Wait, who are you? I'm Esau. But who was that? And he was so upset. Can you imagine how Esau felt? Yeah, he knew he had already bargained it away. But the reality must have set in like an erupting volcano. He just felt like something was going on. <clears throat> and this brings us to understand that we must be protective of God's blessings and promises, no matter how hard it gets. I've been in, in, in fortunately, God has given me the ability to see good and bad in, in the walk in, in the church, bishop and pastor and Brother Lock and some of those that have even, some of you might not be in the ministry up here, but been around. You've been in hospitals and had to see the kids come out of the room after the parents died. And, and, and even in that low, the worst, and apostolic people, and I've seen both ways. I've seen them get super hurt and, and really just get ice cold and hardened. And I've seen them pray and say, God blesses me anyways. Even after a death. And I can't imagine anything else than a family member or a child or a parent, somebody dying unexpectedly. And yet you still need that strength and understand that that spiritual birthright is not worth trading it in right then. Even on something like that, it's not worth it. You need to hold on to that. I'm sure we can all agree that that is the greatest. The the blessings that God gives us are the, the greatest. I feel that God wants us to be good stewards of those blessings as well. We should protect and preserve those blessings, as I just mentioned. We should never allow our blessings, no matter what they might be, to over, to become cheapened as we go about living life. In other words, we should never take for granted all God has done for us. The Bible says that once Esau realized that his blessing was gone, he was filled with anger. He cried out. A great and exceeding bitter cry, the Bible says. He was instantly bitter. 
he begged his father to bless him. Genesis 27, 38 says this. And Esau said unto his father, thou hast but one blessing, my father. He asked him, bless me too, oh, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Esau did get blessed, but not with the blessing that it could have been. Esau was blessed by Isaac, but it was just a shell of a blessing. Hey, you're going to continue to live off the land. You're going you're gonna to fight by the sword. Uh, but the real kicker here, you're going to serve your brother. After all that. So we need to sh uh, cherish our spiritual birthright and blessing that God has for our life. You have probably realized by now that this story of Jacob and Esau has only been an example this morning to us, right? And our responsibility of valuing our spiritual blessings. Being born again is a type of spiritual birthright and its experience is the greatest thing this side of heaven. Realizing that God, uh, realizing that the God that one time could only been only be experienced from a distance, realizing that God came, died for us, was risen again. He went away, but yet he came back as the comforter, the promise of the Holy Ghost, and filled us with the Holy Ghost. Realizing, realizing that should oppress upon us how much of a wonderful gift of the blessing we have. And I am almost done, Sister Leslie. Let's, I guess we're going to wrap this up a little bit early, maybe. So just in case you guys want to come up. See, what Esau failed to realize and that we must never forget is that there are some things that once lost cannot be regained. That's a hard reality to face, especially in the kingdom of God, because we believe that you can be forgiven again. You can. Yes, we can, and yes, a backslider can be restored. What I'm saying is that there are some blessings that God has given us that we, if we are careless and discard them or bargain them away, God is not obligated to restore those back into our lives. Like Esau, there can be other blessings, but also like them, they may never be as great as the one we originally have had. We have heard the saying, some things are just not for sale. We had some other sayings earlier. That must be the sign we hang over every blessing that God has ever given us. Not for sale. Not for sale. I mentioned earlier that we, we, we can't be jealous of other people's of things and their stuff. And, and I usually don't make assumptions. I, I, don't, I don't like doing that. I'm not one of those people. But we probably have all been envious or jealous of something in life of someone else's. I was talking to Renee when I was doing this, and I asked her to come in. I said, have I ever been jealous of someone else's stuff? Because I don't want to say it. Because I, I feel like I, 
I feel like I have not been. I, 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 I don't care. I want you to be blessed. If I want you to have everything. If you want to buy a brand new, uh, you know, whatever car, a brand new house, a brand new Rolex or anything, God bless you. That is awesome. I'm hopefully that, you know, you, everything is fine and all that, and God has given you wisdom and all that with all that stuff. I think that's wonderful and terrific. If you, if you get called to, to somewhere else, a missionary, go, God, man, bless you. I'm not, it's going to be great. And she goes, no, Emma, I don't thank you. And I said, have I ever been jealous of someone's position? And she said, because I already knew, yes. When I, way back when, first got married, way back then, I had an issue. And I was like, I can't, it, I wasn't, I wasn't really jealous of the position, but how they treated, how he was, he or she, he was being treated. Like, oh my God. And I can feel how sometimes we, we go to church for 12 years. We go, and then, and then someone comes in and, and they're, oh, they're so gifted and talented. We're like, wait, where have we been? We should never feel that way. Ever. I remember uh, uh, Sister Olson in Jacksonville. We, we have all heard of the Olsons. We know them. We went to church for a long time. She was a strict music director, really strict. And we're like, man, we're like, oh, okay, you miss practice, you might not get to sing, all that. But what she did in her music ministry was, was she took, like, people. There was one guy who was a trucker. He comes up, country bumpkin trucker, comes up, I have a soundtrack, never been in our church before, can I sing? Oh, yeah, just come up. Like, what? She loved music, and she knew that she could be blessed by that. And, and we're like, man, she was like, no way. She's going, what? And I'm like, wow, because she understood that, humility that. So I, I kind of said that to say that I, I, God dealt with that. And one of the ways he dealt with that, he gave me a couple, I got a couple books. One was called The Bait of Satan. You've probably heard of that. The other one's called The Blessing by Gary Smalley and John Trent, I believe it is. So from the moment I learned of the title of this message today, The Blessing, Cherish God's Blessings, uh, this book that I read kept coming to mind. It's called The Blessing by Gary Smalley and John Trent, as I said. I got his book early in my walk with God, and it helped me not only get through a few tough times, but it also helped me realize all God has done for me. I learned way back then not only that I should be appreciative of God's blessings, but I should bless others as much as I could. I should just bless other people. I need to. I need to do that. And I was surrounded by people. See, that's the thing. God, the devil will sneak in to you, Brad, and say something and about you, and you think everybody else is like that, but they're not. When he came in, I was like, oh, I'm a little jealous of how they're treating that guy. Oh, every, oh no, it was only me. Everybody else was blessing. They were giving it. They were blessing. That's how the devil is. And that's how division comes up. That's how birthrights are sold and stolen. Don't forget that. So it helped me. It helped me realize all God has done for me, all I could do for others, especially my children. Uh, it opens up with a book of a story of a man named Brian. He is in the ICU leaning over his dying father who is unconscious and moments from dying. All Brian wants from his dad is for his dad to open his eyes and tell him he loves him. 
something Brian had not heard his entire adult life. You see, his dad was a tough Marine. Just raised him tough. Even with success, oh, good touchdown. You could have done better. Good, oh, you got a B plus. You should have gotten an A. Stand up when you do this. Stand up. Pushed him to join the Marines. But he, you know, Brian was got in trouble. Dishonorably discharged for disruptive behavior. His father disowned him after that. He was like, sorry, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. When F- Brian finally got his life together, he realized, I love my father. I know my father loves me, but I want to hear it. I want to hear it. And he realized after several failed marriages that he needed his father's blessing. And now it was too late. He had an Esau experience. His dad never opened his eyes again. Sorry, that wasn't a happy ending, folks. I apologize. But that's the story of this book. Children of every age long for the gift of the blessing. The unconditional love and approval that comes from a healthy relationship with their parents. And vice versa. Parents long for the children to love them to come to them to, about problems and issues. This book focuses on instilling a deep sense of self-worth and steadfast emotional well-being. Forgive me for going into this, but I, I wanted you to understand how much it impacted me. This book contains five essential elements, but the two that I most remember are the meaningful touch, and if you've read this book, you understand, and the spoken message. And how our, our kids and our relationships need a handshake, a hat. Remember COVID? Brother Roger, uh, he came up and said, man, I miss shaking people's hands. I do that. That's the meaningful touch. Hey, I appreciate you. How are you doing today? Encouraging word. That's it. One thing I know for a fact that Renee and I always had encouraging words or a hug for our kids. Yeah. They went through the age, the teenage age. You hate me, mom and dad. You're horrible. You're stupid. You don't know anything about life. They're teenagers. That's what they did. I'm telling you. And how did it make us feel? We didn't go buy Disney World passes. We felt horrible. Like, what did we do? Oh, my gosh, what did we do? But they were kids. But we knew, we knew we had to continue just to love them and pour out blessings on them. We had to do that. I've told each one of my kids and my son-in-law and daughter-in-law, I will always love you. You can never, you, you will never, ever be disowned or anything by me. I love you. I bless you like a son, like a daughter. I, I'm not sure why I felt impressed to bring this up. Maybe there's a son or daughter here that needs a parental blessing that never came. I know God can help. Maybe there's a father or mother that realizes they were might have been a little too tough or hard. Maybe they never had that positive relationship that, that with their own children. Maybe stubbornness has set in to you, young man or young woman, to you, sir, ma'am. And you feel like there's nothing now that you can do to change it. But I'm here to tell you, just like anything else in life, God can change it. Why don't we stand? God can bless you. God can give you the blessing and the gift from God he can. He can fill any any void you might have from a relationship. 
He can give you the strength and encouragement and yes, the humiliation or the humility, excuse me, to reach out to your parent, to your child, to a family member or friend and repair a damaged relationship. I know he can. He's done it for me. And he does it every day. They are blessings from God and we should cherish them. Not just now, but always. Let's worship.